So today we talk to Alex Dixon. Hi, Alex. Hi. Alex is a software developer at Co-Narrative in Sacramento, California. He wrote Precept, a reactive declarative programming framework in Clojure and ClojureScript that brings rule-based logic programming to React apps. He has a Bachelor of Arts in English from University of Berkeley. Uh, so this episode is the season finale, and we will move away from why and what is ClojureScript and focus on an experience report of using ClojureScript, then coming back to JavaScript and how it feels. Um, so what is important, I think, to point out is that we are not trying to make fun of JavaScript uh, because me and Alex are JavaScript developers as well. Um, so even though we might sound like anti-JS in this episode, we're really not. It's just an observation and experience. Uh, so Alex, why don't we just start maybe with your background? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I for work, right, primarily in JavaScript, and, and that's where I started out. started out with React, you know, was a, was a sort of early adopter of Redux. And since then, you know, I've tried to keep up with all the latest and greatest JavaScript uh, stuff, which is a full-time job. I mean, they have such a great community. You know, we've gotten uh, GraphQL, had a chance to use uh, that in a project. You know, all the various Redux frameworks, uh, Redux Saga, and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, the utility libraries that I mentioned in the article for um, functional programming have used Immutable.js uh, back when that was right. a little more popular, um, and uh, Lodash sort of in between, and then eventually have sort of settled for, for work on uh, uh, Ramda. You know, I do work in other languages. I was just working on, you know, some... C-sharp stuff this morning, written an app for work in Clojure. I'd many, you know, pretty much anything that I would do in my spare time, I would hope would be in Clojure. Been working on a Rust project. Generally, my background is uh, web programming and, and with JavaScript. So. so the article that Alex mentioned is called Functional Programming in JavaScript is an Anti-Pattern. And when I found this article, I felt like you just put put in words what I had for a long time in my head. Uh, so it was uh, just the experience that you just read something and someone just wrote something that you thought about for a long time but didn't know how to put it into words. So what is for you functional programming? What kind of building blocks would you say are needed for functional programming? And of course, this is on a high level. We not try to define everything and you know be correct by, by all means. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it comes across in, in the article that immutability, immutable data structures or something that I presume, you know, should be part of functional programming. And, you know, that doesn't have to be part of, you know, every definition and way of thinking about uh, functional programming at all. But it's come to be that for me, you know, Clojure was my first sort of foray into a functional programming language, and they have immutable data structures. Um, beyond that, like your program being uh, composed of basically two things, uh, functions and data. Mm -hmm. And the functions in your program operate over your data. Uh, they transform values uh, and return new values. Obviously, you're going to need to have some state and you're going to need to do some kind of mutation. But, you know, you try to express that, I think, in a, you know, using pure functions as much as you can. And, and when you can't, um, you know, you try and isolate that. Uh, so, you know, uh, what parts of your program are doing that, that scary mutation type stuff. Right. So would it be fair to say, like, of course, uh, React and Redux are this functional pattern where you have those actions and then you just operate on the Redux state. 
And this is the pattern we are talking about. But on top of this, what you're adding is that we should also have these immutable or functional data structures. And um, so what is, uh, what's the point where you started to think about this and what brought you to writing this article? Well, it was, you know, right after I had spent a fair amount of time in Clojure and Clojure script um, after being a JS developer for a while. And, and then I went back to JavaScript and um, tried writing code. And it was just, you know, a totally uh, different experience for me. And I noticed things uh, that I hadn't really before I started working with Clojure. You know, I think one of the big things was, you know, the lack of standard library with filter uh, for various different types of data structures, uh, map, you know, just normal things that seemed to me um, at that point just to be normal things that um, a language should have. And certainly if it's a functional programming language, I would need to uh, use, you know, third-party libraries and you know, it's it, then it becomes a question of which third-party uh, library do you use? Um, do those third-party libraries are are they treating uh, data as immutable? Are they doing that sometimes but not others? Um, do they have their own data structures, like in the case of immutable JS? And you know, obviously, a, you know, any program that tries to incorporate all of those is kind of a mess, and you probably shouldn't do that. But you know, it came at a time where it wasn't clear, like, you know, I, I think everybody was thinking, you know, functional programming in JavaScript is uh, something that's going to save us, is my impression of uh, the community. And I was, you know, fully on board with that. But how exactly that goes, what that looks like in JavaScript in particular, which is kind of fractured and not as you know unified as my experience in in closure and closure script and just way more friction for me for you know doing some very very basic uh you know list transformations and stuff i really had I really noticed that there was a lot of cognitive overhead for me associated with doing that um, mm -hmm. Right. I think you you mentioned that you need to pull in like different libraries to do map filter reduce. I think it will be good to clarify that in ClojureScript, uh, you have those map filter reduce that work on all kinds of collections, be it a, you know, a map, uh, meaning a JavaScript object or being a vector or JavaScript array. You just have a standard library. So this is the Clojure core that works on all of, all of those collections. And it doesn't really matter what kind of data structure you pass to it. It just works. So in JavaScript, you always have to pull in like Lodash or Ramda or something like this. So just to have this abstraction over all of the data structure, I think the ES 2016, I don't remember now, introduced this object items and object keys and object values. Yeah. Uh, but still, uh, exactly. But this is the point I think that it's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, and that's just another way of, you know, sort of doing something in closure where, you know, it's just like, well, there's pretty much one way to do it more or less. I mean, that's not entirely true, but I mean, I wouldn't have to think in closure, like, do I want to use object.entries or object.keys.map or, you know, anything like that? Or do I want to use a utility library? You know, pretty mm -hmm. much what I'm looking for is, you know, already 
there for me. And it's just like, you know, the primitive functions that make up the language, um, you know, map filter reduce, um, et cetera. So, you know, you mentioned all, all of those libraries like React, Redux. I mean, they require immutability by convention, but we can still like change them, right? We can still mutate this stuff. You know, you just switch between mutable and immutable world in JavaScript most of the time. Or if you use immutable JS, you just need to learn totally new API. Basically, you know, I've heard an argument that immutability by convention is not really immutability. It's not the type of immutability that we're talking about because it gives you a choice and it gives you, you know, the ability uh, to mess up and have errors in your program mutate something when you didn't expect to. And mm-hmm. with the exception, as far as I, I mean, yeah, as far as I know, with the exception of immutable JS, immutability in JavaScript is by convention. Right. You know, we could get into other things like it's not the most performant implementation because there's no structural sharing. Um, you're basically mm-hmm. creating new objects here and there and everywhere, which creates a lot of work for the uh, the garbage collector as opposed to closures implementation, uh, which uses um, structural sharing. Immutable uh, JS, I think, is modeled after uh, closures uh, data structures. And so you do um, get some of that structural uh, sharing goodness. But, you know, it's at the cost of, you know, I can no longer, you know, and, and furthermore, immutable JS, it's like you don't really have, they have, you know, an API for like as mutable, I think, but you don't really have an option. You're not going to accidentally mutate something because the data structures are defined as, um, as immutable. Mm-hmm. The downside is with immutable JS, it doesn't interoperate with these other uh, libraries. You know, you can't use filter uh, or anything from Ramda uh, or uh, Lodash insofar as mm-hmm. I know. They, they, they don't work together because, uh, you know, Ramda and Lodash are meant to operate over JavaScript data structures, not these special immutable data structures. So it puts you in a situation then where if you're going to use, if you want true immutable data structures in JavaScript, uh, you're going to need to use uh, something like immutable JS, it seems, where they have their own API that then, you know, you have to learn, can't use with uh, sort of the stuff that you already know, maybe Lodash, maybe Ramda, and you're kind of you kind of stuck with that. Right. It seems like we should have another library that works on the immutable JS collections, you know, that can do all the functional operations. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there, there, there could be something to that, uh, in my opinion. Like, you know, maybe instead of writing this article, I should be, you know, writing something that tries to solve <laughs> the problem. But... Um, you know, at the time, it just seemed to me that we're just pushing the problem around and trying to solve these little pieces of it. And then that begets another problem. And then we try and solve that and, you know, ad infinitum. And I feel like ultimately that, uh, you know, Clojure and Clojure Script uh, solve those, solves those problems at the root, basically. Right. Um, so you're not like in this situation where it really feels like, you're chasing your tail and, and just yeah, going around and around and 
uh, not able to, you know, escape out of this, you know, inconvenience. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like, I feel like closure script is just in so polar opposite to like JavaScript where JavaScript just tries to uh, like patch the language with the libraries. Uh, those fundamental concepts like the data structures and the, you know, functional stuff like map filter and stuff like this, where the closure script is like, well, this is baked in. And what we want to do with libraries, we just want to have libraries on a higher level of abstraction. So the core language is pretty well thought out and pretty well designed. Yeah, I think that's kind of an understatement to me because that's one of the, I feel like it's a, it's a master planned sort of language where it's just so well designed in that it was, uh, you know, not like let's bolt on something here, let's add object dot entries, let's add uh, array dot flat map and whatever as time is uh, gone along. You know, it's had the benefit of, you know, all of that stuff being figured out in the dark when mm -hmm. I think like, Tricky was, was working on it and then, you know, figuring out all of that stuff sort of in your head uh, the way things should be. And then, you know, having uh, the language come out just really well designed um, and planned for that stuff. Yeah. So this is one thing you mentioned that, you know, you try to stitch those libraries together, but they just have different, you know, semantics and stuff like this. So this is one thing. Another thing is that, you know, there is different, uh, uh, you, you never know if this, uh, if the map should go at front or at the beginning, if, if you pass the collection first or last. Yeah. So the order of the arguments is different. Yeah. So, you know, the more APIs that, you know, I had to be familiar with for work. And, you know, I don't think this is a normal uh, situation necessarily where, you know, you might have all of those floating around in your head at once, but you still might have like two. And it just, it's like, mm. I'd rather just have, you know, one way of, of, of doing things because I don't have to think as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the time, you know, I was switching between projects that were using like Lodash and Ramda, for example, and uh, even Lod Lodash FP. And, you know, Lodash FP has, I think it's collection arguments last. I think Ramda has its collection uh, arguments last. Lodash, um, you know, vanilla has its collection arguments first. Um, immutable.js, it's like you call dot filter, I think, on the data structures. It's just all of this, uh, you know, different syntax that, you know, for me was really hard to, I mean, I could figure it out, but it kind of wasted some, some time, you know, like, should I really have to be thinking about that instead of the problem that I'm trying to solve. And I, I think that was going off of with closure, I would just get into this flow where I don't have to think about those things. And the language just kind of fade, faded into the background. And it was just, you know, this beautiful experience. When I got back into JavaScript, it was very much like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of arguing with the language and trying to figure out what is what, you know, with the syntax. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you need to keep a lot in your head. So your cognitive load must be very high when you just use all of those libraries. And just, as you said, you just either you need to learn them or you always need to look up the documentation. And, you know, there, there the point comes, as you mentioned, it's like, you know, shouldn't I be 
working on my business logic and figuring out how to solve the problem instead of thinking about the library. So what are, what do you think are the the, co- the long-term costs of this? Well, yeah, I think, you know, I forget exactly what I was, you know, thinking about uh, when I wrote the article, but I, I guess I just wonder, you know, can, can we fix this in JavaScript? Mm-hmm. Or would a higher level language like Clojure Script be a better solution? And where it seems to address, you know, some of the some of these um, problems that I think are like root problems that are hard for us in user land or library land to kind of find our way out of. Um, and I, I was mm-hmm. thinking long term in terms of, you know, JavaScript is you know immensely popular, and you know what's the end to that story? You know, in you know twenty fifty eight, are we still writing JavaScript, or has you know another language? come along uh, that's gained popularity that is substantially uh, different. Maybe heck, maybe it compiles to JavaScript, fine. But yeah, you know, where, where as, and, and I think as developers, you know, we're going to, if not determine that, then, you know, greatly uh, influence it. So I, I, I think, you know, it was a question for me of kind of where, where do we want to go? Are we happy with this? Does anybody else, feel the way that I do about this? Uh, am I just crazy? <laughs> I, and I think, you know, there are costs to it in terms of, you know, personally, it's in it for anybody else that feels frustrated by JavaScript, like it, it's just kind of emotionally draining sometimes to have to draining. argue with the language. Um, I think, you know, I think we could be more productive potentially you know, in, in closure script, frankly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree here. And this is, we are just talking about the language level. And then when I think about all of the frameworks that are there and then all of the build tools and all of this stuff, it's just in every corner of, I feel JavaScript, there's just so much churn and so, so much also constant change to keep up with everything. It's also, sometimes I wonder uh, how people find the time actually to do actually actual work instead of learning uh, new stuff. What do you think is the problem of uh, adopting closure? The way I see it is like, it's a circular problem uh, having to do with popularity. And I think that basically people will say, you know, I'm not gonna use ClojureScript or for this project or try uh, ClojureScript because it's not popular. And JavaScript is more popular. And the problem with that is that they're right, for one. And that, you know, there are benefits, I think, to a language being popular. But that subscribing to that way of thinking, like, you know, you'll notice it has nothing to do about the virtues of the language itself. It has nothing to do with basically how good a language it is. It's just how popular is it? How, what do other people think right. about it? Um, mm. And that the consequence is the language doesn't get more popular. And if the only way that it can be more popular is to, to get more popular is to be popular. I mean, we're, we're just caught in this circular problem where, you know, that's, it's, it's unclear how that can can change if everybody uses uh, that type of reasoning. 
yeah, I think I was trying to, you know, put that out there in, in the article is like, you know, food for thought. How, yeah, how would any language, forget, you know, forget closure script, say it's some other language. Um, you know, how is that going to become popular? Well, it's, you know, people are, are going to need to, you know, try something different. And I noticed that, you know, for JavaScript developers, we're really not opposed to trying different things. I mean, mm -hmm. languages are, you know, different than frameworks, but, you know, we try uh, different frameworks, different libraries uh, every day of the week. Um, mm. d different ways of managing React state, you know, every month. Mm. Um, right. we're, not a, we're not opposed to that, and, you know, we're, we're criticized for that, I think, in some ways. Mm. So just sort of an observation is like, yeah, I, on that, it's like, I don't, uh, I don't know why more JavaScript developers haven't tried ClojureScript uh, necessarily, because it seems like we have a huge propensity for trying new things. Right, right. Maybe it's that, but maybe it's that what you mentioned. Maybe there is not enough frameworks in ClojureScript or Clojure yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. Um, maybe there will be not much to do, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it can get... You know, I, I don't think it, it gets boring, but it's certainly certainly different. The the experience of yeah, not not as many frameworks out there, not as many things to learn in the closure script community. And you know, you're kind of left with the problem you're trying to solve <laughs> um increasingly. Right. But I think I think that's a good thing overall. Um yeah, I mean I totally I think you agree. know people People would talk about, you know, like lack of getting started tutorials and uh, stuff like that is is a reason that, you know, we haven't seen more uh, JS devs uh, coming from Clojure. I think, you know, that's possible. Mm -hmm. the, certainly, um, people get hung up on uh, things like uh, parentheses. I think certainly that's that's just kind of an intractable thing and you can try and sell people on that. But the reality is, um, you know, it's very different from anything that people would be used to. And I think it's been said that if all you are uh, doing is trying to find things that are similar to what you're used to, that you're really not going to learn anything new. And that if the thing mm -hmm. that you're used to is something that you're not happy with, that, you know, you might be less likely to find something that's a lot better um, if all you're looking for is something that's, you know, substantially similar to what you already know. Mm. I think that's been said. Uh, <laughs> How about the problem of actually adoption at work? Maybe, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff, this, since the ecosystem, JavaScript ecosystem is so big, Joe always just pushing this out. Maybe the problem is at work and the possibility to use it at work. You know, I, I've been able uh, to use it at work, I think, um, you know, so, so, uh, we do consulting and, you know, the, you know, bar for us is, is, you know, what's the best, what, what's in the best interest of our customers? You know, what do we want mm -hmm. to, uh, teach their developers and, you know, leave them with in terms of a code base and, you know, JavaScript can be, uh, really attractive there because there is such a community, you know, there's this huge safety net or backstop uh, to help you um, if you don't know how to do something or, you know, a huge um, amount of libraries. Like if you don't 
want to spend time uh, building a particular UI component. Mm. You know, I I think in in making it easier to use for work for us, I mean, we've been really attracted to, you know, things like Shadow uh, CLJS, which is an amazing project. And, you know, the, the amount of work that's been put into that in terms of uh, documentation, you know, developer experience um, is just kind of staggering. And how uh, seamlessly um, the interop story uh, has gotten with Shadow CLJS is just, you know, I think something that ClojureScript developers have, you know, looked for for a while, where you can just, you know, require this other library, you know, some some UI component library from ClojureScript. Um, right. So I think things like that are kind of key, and you know, that's that's key with you know Clojure's goal and ClojureScript's goal is that you know we're we're running on a host platform and we should be able to interoperate with the host platform and its ecosystem. So, you know, I think since the time that I wrote the article with the things that have happened with uh, shadow CLJS, you know, that, that has gotten way, way, way uh, easier. Yeah. Big, big shout out to Thomas Heller for all his work with shadow CLJS. Yeah. I think this is an amazing project. I think there is a couple more that really changed the developer experience and uh, you know like CLJS dev tools and like the whole reagent uh, how it works with react and you know how it operates i think this is also a big deal absolutely yeah and i mean i think you know ultimately I, and i have thought about this a fair amount <laughs> um mm -hmm. why isn't it more popular should it be if it were you know relatively easy for somebody to just get plopped down in front of a REPL and, you know, have all the dev set up and just be like, here you go. Here's the experience of, uh, you know, developing uh, interactively uh, at a REPL with a, you know, an editor connected REPL where you can evaluate code in your editor. You know, if, if we just, <laughs> if people in the JS community, I think would just be able to sit down and try it the way that we use it every day uh, at work mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I think that could just be it. I, I don't think a lot of people have really tried it or had, or even those that have, you know, for a little bit have had that experience um, that we do that makes us love it so much where, you know, can evaluate arbitrary syntax that you've typed into a file <laughs> um, and it just feeds into the whole, you know, what is closure thing? Well, uh, I'm writing functions so I can define, you know, some data structure called function uh, uh, that uses that uh, and, you know, see the result uh, printed out in front of me in a second. I don't think anybody any any language you know can has has an experience like that, and you know that's it's really one of the biggest selling points. I think certainly the thing that I love. Yeah, I think actually this whole REPL thing is misunderstood by a lot of people because they always say, well, you know, we have shell, we can also run the stuff. But I think the part that is missed is that no, we are just actually running this while the program is running. We are operating on the system when it's running. It's not like I just run the command and I have the output. 
And I think this is the part that is sometimes missed. Trying to summarize everything what you said, you believe that actually the problem, or maybe it would help people to adopt Clojure or Clojure Script if there will be more materials to get people get going or get started or? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, my view is that, you know, the language sells itself, you know, it right. sold itself to me. Like mm -hmm. I can interrupt, operate with JavaScript. Um, I can basically write Java through the same language that compiles to JavaScript. Uh, JVM is its own thing. You know, it's multi, you can write multi-threaded, uh, servers. I don't think it's the, you know, the language that's the problem. I mean, maybe there's some things like parentheses. I, 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 I would like to think it's just that, uh, not enough people have tried it. And so in getting people to try it, yeah, tutorials, I think specifically that would, you know, in your editor of choice, like, you know, here, here are the, ins and there's, the problem is, I think there's things out here like this. <laughs> so I don't know, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, in, in your editor of choice, you know, follow these, uh, steps. It's quick, it's easy, it's simple. And, um, you know, here you go. Uh, you can evaluate code from within your editor. Yeah. And I think this actually leads us to the place where when it comes to all the setup in different editors and stuff like this, this will be part of, uh, the next season. So we will just talk about all of the different setups and how people can get easily started and set up everything for closure script development. So Alex, thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or any other platform you're listening to. You can share it on social media with your friends. You can blog about it, discuss it on your own podcast, and you can support it directly by buying my video courses and learning ClojureScript and Clojure at my website, jacekshe.com. That's J-A-C-E-K-S-C-H-A-E.com. Thank you for your support of this show.